0: Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, Certified Conversion Copywriter and Founder of The Copyworks. In this podcast, I discuss B2B marketing and copywriting strategies that attract quality leads and increase conversions. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the B2B Marketing and copywriting podcast. I am your host, Linda Malone. In today's episode, I have a special guest, Ryan Gibson, who is the founder of Content Lift. It's a marketing agency based in Canada. So he has over 20 years' experience in the marketing world and has been a director responsible for million dollar budgets and has also supervised and bootstrapped budgets at startups. So he's worked with dozens of entrepreneurs and founders and businesses of all shapes and sizes. And at one point he even worked for um, CDC as a TV and radio reporter. And so he has particular expertise in interviewing as you can imagine, and also research. So in today's episode, Ryan talks about some of the most common mistakes B2B marketers make when they do their research and how to talk to people So let's just jump right in. Hey, Ryan. So thanks so much for being uh, like one of my very first guests on this podcast. So I'm very psyched to talk to you today. And it's also interesting because we have kind of a similar background in the interviewing space. I love that you called it like the art of the interview, the art of the marketing interview, which is what I'm calling this this episode. So can you start uh, by telling me a little bit about, you know, what you do and who you serve?
1: Yeah. So... I have 20 years of marketing scars <laughs> as people say years, I usually say mileage or scars in the last few years. I've really specialized in primary customer research, but through one-on-one interviews, because there's a whole range of different things you can do for customer research that just is my specialty. So I run Content Lift and I'm basically an agency, agency of one, and I help B2B SaaS companies predominantly really fine tune how they research you know, how they can get the most out of a customer interview. And then how do they turn that, those insights into marketing actions, which is usually like the biggest gap because that's the hardest part for people. So I, I work with them through all that phase and hopefully if I've done a good job, their business gets a whole lot better.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, you always hear, you know, to market, you really need to talk to your buyers or your customers. And so, but no one really tells you, well, what do you talk to them about? What do you ask them about? And it's very different for marketing compared to like other types of interviews. So what has been like your experience, basically with B2B companies, like conducting customer research for marketing?
1: It varies. Um, When I, before I started Content Lift, I I talked to about 24, you know, VPs, executives of marketing, CMOs, about how they did this type of work. And the reason I, I sort of had maybe to back up before that I had this hunch that this type of research wasn't happening, just having worked with SaaS companies for the last, you know, seven to 10 years. And what I mean more specifically is they, you see a lot of research around product, which makes sense because they're trying to build the best product or build features, additional features into a product to make it better. Customer success, especially since a lot of SaaS is to do it yourself and you have to navigate the, a lot of the software yourself customer success is very important to understand like how is it how is this thing working for you is it meeting your expectations meeting the goals and all that's great like you have to do that stuff but what I did not see a lot of stuff that I had done throughout my career as a marketer is understand why and how they're coming to us in the first place like what is it that's happening in their business or in their roles or in their team that they say okay we got a problem here and it's it's at the point where we should probably spend some money to, to mitigate this problem. Right. So what, what happens through all that? Because the B2B journey is more complex than it ever was before you hit a sales team. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know those things or you don't at least have a basic understanding of for your ideal customers and ideal buyers, how they're coming to you and the actions they're taking to get to you, it's going to be really hard for you to spend your marketing budget effectively. And, and just communicate to them and, and build affinity for what you're doing. So I saw all this in SaaS. I went and talked to a lot of marketing uh, executives about it. And some said, we do it. A lot said, we do it all right. <laughs> Many said, we don't do it at all. So I was like, okay, there's probably an opportunity here for me to help people. And that's what I'm doing. So that's that's how, how it sort of came to be. Okay. And why do you think that was the case, like that experience? There's a whole host of reasons. anything else you talk to 20 different people sometimes you get 20 different answers but the commonalities were we don't have time to do that because we're executing on marketing or other teams own the relationship or we have other things we need to focus on which sounds crazy because you should be you know like why would you not talk to your customers um or they just didn't do well because the product like the product marketing managers say they were talking to customers a lot of it was around those things that i mentioned like customer success conversations pricing right or just trying to get all the parts of the market machine to work right. rather than trying to understanding is what we're doing makes sense is, is what we're saying and how we're communicating have relevancy
0: yeah. so
1: that seems are some logical. of the reasons
0: is this something do you think this is kind of a new uh revelation because i've been seeing on linkedin a lot about people talking about you know you need to talk to your customers as i said you know earlier that um are is it really that New of a concept (laughs) that sounds logical, or do you think it's because there's so much social media that people have kind of relied on things like surveys or sales calls, you know, things like that that are kind of not really face to face sort of conversations?
1: I think it's all those things. You know, there's never one silver bullet, right? So I think there's more of a conversation, anecdotally speaking. Now, it might be just because I'm biased, so I look for people talking about research, so I zone in on those conversations when I see them on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever it's uh. happening. But I would say, you know, when when I started in B2B, it was a big part of what I did. And then when I worked, I became a reporter for a bit of time. I, I became a journalist for a few years and went back to marketing. And I started working with B2B companies on marketing and uh, other strategies and a lot of PR because I came out of the broadcasting. it was very apparent how many of them were not doing that type of work Mm -hmm. and there could be a few reasons one is maybe for early in the early days of b2b technology because they used to call like tech now that there's a lot of proliferation around like you know what uh, in the technology sphere Mm -hmm. but back then you didn't have a lot of competitors right Uh, for many things you um you had to deal with account executives still to get most of your information about either the market or where trends are happening. You know, you'd know, you have to go to conferences. Like There was a lot that happened in the real world. Now there's so much that happens online. I mean, the majority of the buying journey actually happens online. Right. And Gartner had this great study a few years ago where they found that by the time to a sales team, they've pretty much decided what they want to do anyway. They're just sort of you know checking the boxes, the last few boxes. Yeah. And the, the earlier you get into the consideration set, the better your chances of a closed one. So I think the, the internet's just totally changed the game there,
0: yeah.
1: Um, which is one of the reasons. And I think the other reason I think that you see more people lean into it, if you look at SaaS specifically, now you throw a rock and you can hit 200 email solutions. That's how do great. you differentiate? Yeah, like how do you stand out in that? Yeah. Why you? Now, some of that is the niching of the product, Mm -hmm. but some of it is also how do you position it for and for who and why and who are these people? and What do they care about? What are their priorities? I think you're seeing the gap of that knowledge Mm -hmm. play out now in marketing strategies where if you don't have that, that fundamental piece of the buying journey nailed down, down, other people can swoop in with almost an identical product. Right. and and take you out because that's going to happen like sas is becoming more commoditized more ubiquitous it's all just feature set parity now so if you yeah. don't understand how to you know win hearts and minds right it's going to be really tough for you and you're probably going to waste all your marketing budget
0: yeah and then if you start competing on something like price and then you just put yourself into the whole mix of everybody else is doing what you're doing and so yeah, yeah it's the research that's going to differentiate you for sure. Um, what do you, how do you feel about conducting surveys and, and listening in on sales calls? Is that oh, yeah. helpful?
1: Yeah, you asked that. Sorry. Um, yeah, it is. They're just different. Mm-hmm. So let's take surveys. You know, I've done surveys. I don't do them anymore as part of my business. I, I did do them early on and not because I don't think they're useful. It's just not where I think my best my skills are best used, mm-hmm. but they're great for you know scale. For large amounts of statistical relevancy for very simple types of things you want to understand. Like, should this button be red or green? You know, well, you can survey 400 people or, you know, very, very simple one line answers. Like the common one for marketers is, how did you hear about us? Right? Open field. Mm-hmm. And that's fine because people will put in maybe, you know, on this podcast, on Linda's podcast, I heard you talking about uh, customer research. And then some people put in Google and that really doesn't really tell you much. So they're good in a lot of ways because they're quick, they're fast, you know, they're easy to ship. You can get a lot of information, and sometimes with something like SurveyMonkey, it's distilled and codified in real time. Yeah. But you don't get a lot of depth.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you
1: get the you get a lot of data, but not a lot of rationale or a lot of understanding behind the data necessarily. Yeah, so that's where their limit their limitations are. Sales calls are fine too, but again, they're contextual because an account executive is focused on making sure a prospect has the information they need to make a good choice. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I just talked about the Gardner research, right? They're probably almost already sold. Like they're shortlisted something by then. So it's really the sales team to lose. Right. But Mark, so marketing here is everything that the sales team wants to understand and and know, Mm -hmm. but what they're not getting is like, what was everything that was happening way before they even the sales team, like they could have been, looking at solutions a year and a half before the sales conversation started. Yeah. So what was happening in that year and a half? That's what you won't get in a sales conversation. Mm -hmm. That's why marketers usually need to go and get it themselves. Sorry, I cut you off there.
0: No, I was just going to say that I found with surveys, I've run a couple of online businesses and people will often give like one word answers, where if you get them on the phone or in a face-to-face interview, and you can peel back those layers that, are underneath why they made that particular decision. And you don't get that from a survey, but you do get like the analytics and that sort of thing, as you said. So it's helpful. Um what's your process for conducting customer research?
1: So it's not very complicated. When I show people they usually like laugh because <laughs> it, it's it it's, it's it's almost like I present this all, you think things are often sophisticated, but I, I'm a very much to keep things simple. That's that's my mantra. Uh-huh. I follow a lot of the jobs to be done methodology. And if people are not familiar with that, they can Google it. But in short, it's an innovation framework that was created by a gentleman named Clayton Christensen in the 90s. And he even borrowed some stuff from decades earlier. And what that helps you determine is, you know, what is the job that a product uh, you're hiring a product to do so what that means is i don't buy a drill to put a screw in the wall i buy a drill to hang a picture right like that's one of the classic examples people will give all right. and there's all sorts of different case studies on this work now what's really interesting though is a lot of the framework for jobs to be done it lines up very well with marketing because what you're trying to understand is why people did took the actions they took to they took to begin with right, right. and in marketing we try to influence action so I like to use a little bit of what they do to inform how I do a research project. And it's really, um, I will, to break it down, I will identify a research project, or research object- objective with a client. You know, what do we want to know? And what's okay. most important? A lot of that ties to the business goals uh, for the current year you know, or what they think is pressing in the business to understand. Mm-hmm. We will then um, figure out who it is we want to talk to um, in the context of that goal so for example i'm working with a company right now they only want to talk to clients that took an extremely long time to close but at a high, had a high average contract value because they want to understand why they were dragging their feet they ultimately got the contract but they weren't like what was what was breaking down right yeah there's just things they want to understand there most often we interview people it was the opposite. They closed fast and they're very eager because if we've never done this work before, it's that's a great way to know what we're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So then we'll figure out who we want to talk to and we'll go into the CRM and pull out that information. We'll reach out to these people and then we'll just interview them and break things down, usually in their roles, uh, role pains and anxieties. Like what are the things in their team in their role, their job and in their business that are causing them concern or they need to accomplish? What are the triggers that are, causing them to that caused them to look out for a solution even things that might not have been they initially landed uh, things that they initially ended on right which was your solution yeah. maybe there's other things they were looking at completely you know outside of what um you would think they'd be looking to solve the problem mm-hmm. then we look at how they research uh the problem uh, they researched solutions in totality who do they go talk to where did they search what did they read right and then we we talk about how they evaluated these tools. And then we sort of map everything together and we look for themes, patterns, and trends. And then from right. the marketing side, we pull out content ideas, copyrighted ideas, like you would be very interested in, right? So yeah. we get all that stuff from the interview. The trick is you have to keep your, the people you interview consistent and the framework for which you interview these people has to be consistent. Because if you just open up Zoom and start asking all sorts of random questions, you won't have a lot of statistical relevancy in the interviews to compare to each other. It's just right. going to be you having a chat, which is nice, but that doesn't really help you at the end of the day. Right. right. So that is I hope I hope I explained that okay, but that's yeah. that's really that's it. That, there's not much more than that. It's just in the practice of doing it either in both interviewing people because that's not always an easy skill to right. get right immediately and then how you distill all this data.
0: Is there any big difference between interviewing someone in a marketing interview versus I used to write a lot of content um, for magazines, so it was different. I mean, I didn't have the same goals as I have as a copywriter. So when you're interviewing someone from a marketing standpoint, like you mentioned a couple questions you would ask, is there anything else in particular that you would, I mean, it, obviously it depends on the goal of the client, but are there some general questions that you find are really helpful?
1: Yeah. Like one of, one of the ones that seems to be very appealing to marketers and sales teams or a lot of the idea for conducting research starts with sales teams. Cause they're the ones that are having the conversations and they can see the disconnect. Okay. So one of the ones I like to ask these days is what made you trust the sales team or what made you trust us? Yeah. That's a huge one. Yeah. Because that's in essence, what you're, you're aiming for is that people trust you enough that the product or the service you say uh, that you talk about having is going to deliver on the promises that you're saying you're, you're giving. So, how did you earn that trust? What were the things you did? Mm-hmm. That's such a uh, eye-opening one. Yeah.
0: And one of the most common answers I hear is, you
1: know, well, they just understood me the most.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's People not just everyone, want to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And just they want to again. It's, I've I've been writing a lot about relevancy lately. It has to be relevant, yeah. because. Yeah case in point so i um i've been working with an an accounting software company they sort of competed like that enterprise-ish um market they noticed they were getting they're closing a lot of deals in the healthcare vertical very easily or like more in a higher propensity than they were uh compared to just say general businesses Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and what had happened was they had organically sort of started hiring these people who had worked in healthcare and now work for this accounting software company. So when they were doing implementation discovery calls, the people who ran, ran finance teams in hospitals were just hearing the, the language they use every day, spoken back to them and having the problems recognized. Yeah. So that is how, you know, that was a big factor in them saying, Oh, I found the fit. Thank goodness. So rather than just try to be an accounting software you know they're considering do we lean all into healthcare now or do we you know do we have at least a whole other marketing engine that just speaks to healthcare right because maybe you don't have to divvy it up right these are all business decisions you have to make after the research but this is these are the types of insights it gives you and clarity it gives you on like what what can we do what's in the art of the possible
0: It's so interesting because they knew the lingo when I used to write for fitness publications and I would contact people about um, being interviewed, they would so much more likely want to talk to me because they knew that I would not misconstrue what they said or misinterpret because I had the background. I heard that over and over. So it's a similar kind of thing with what you just said. So it's interesting. Um, And the last question is, can you give some quick tips on how companies, you know, can get started, especially ones that have not done this sort of work before?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like anything else. You got to jump in the deep end, right, and start swimming. They, they can easily just follow me on LinkedIn. That's an easy one because I write about that stuff all the time. And I, um, I'm always happy to answer the odd DM if they have them. But if you're just starting cold, mm-hmm. lots of great resources. Uh, user interviews who, um, they're a company that creates panels. So what I mean by that is a panel would be 100 marketing executives and I want to go conduct some cold research with people who are my customers. I can go to user interviews and I can pay for access to this panel. They have a lot of great resources on how to conduct this stuff. But I would the best thing to do is make sure you have an objective. Almost every single um, discovery call and then research setting call I have, people want to have like three things they want to talk about maybe four and a, a good example would be i had one client that said okay i want to learn i want to know about new products to build but i also want to know how they join our existing product and i want to figure out like how they're referring people to us if they are whoa like that's <laughs> <all lane>. those <laughs> could be three yeah like all those could be three separate conversations it, yeah. it sounds like it it's hard for people to understand how fast half an hour goes like it, yeah. it, it moves by very quickly so have a one good objective yeah. make sure you narrow down um the people you want to talk to you want to compare apples to apples as best as you can it's not mm-hmm. always possible but you want to try and do that as best you can and then i don't really actually ask i don't have a lot of questions i have a lot of themes and topics
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is why i have that objective setting a conversation because it, Questions sometimes can handcuff your your discovery and um, your interview because you're so focused on asking the question, the next question, you're not actually actively listening to what people are saying and seeing opportunities to take the conversation to a, maybe a new path that you didn't anticipate, yeah. which can be very eye-opening. And that's normal. I struggled with that when I was a reporter. Like I just have my list of 10 questions and I'm just like making sure I rattle them off so I, but that doesn't always help you. What matters is okay, my objective is the example I gave before. I want to talk to um, clients that took a long a long time to close, um, spent a high a lot of money. So why did they take a long time to close? Let's mm-hmm. focus on that. And I can sort of navigate the conversation. That's right. not easy for everyone right away. So, you know, having a questions to fall back on is good. Mm-hmm. But those are some of the tips I get, and just make sure you record everything because you don't forget it. You will not remember. Right.
0: Right, and I love the uh, what you said about you know, really listening in on the conversation because I've been interviewed before where I could tell the person was just listing the questions, and it's like there were so many different ways they could have taken the conversation that might have been you know more interesting or just have you know add something else to the interview and they they didn't. that's why I always remember that. so well, this has been awesome. Is there anything else that you wanna? tell people on this yeah subject?
1: just like yeah just if they, if they have questions like by all means like I'm, I'm like you i'm very active on linkedin i'm sort of on twitter twitter's still hard for me
0: yeah <laughs> I, I can't a, get into the twitter
1: <laughs> thing. But i'm trying i'm trying really hard <laughs> i'm trying really hard but i'm on linkedin a lot and if people ever have any questions they can go to me on see me on linkedin my website's contentlift.io. And I'm always happy just to people have, you know, quick ask, always happy to try and help.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ryan. I really appreciate it. This has been great. Okay. So that wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it valuable. And if you did and you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it with friends and business associates who may find it of interest as well. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn, or you can reach out to me through my website at thecopyworks.com, and we'll talk to you soon.